Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Ryan Bull. Today I'm speaking to Ben West, Stratfor's Senior Global Threat Analyst, about COVID-19 or the coronavirus. So, Ben, um, let's start with some of our, our fundamentals here. Uh, and we're looking at different ways that this virus is spreading throughout the globe, how the responses are working. Uh, but how much stock should we be even putting in necessarily the numbers that we've got out there uh, for COVID-19? Right. So there's a really strong tendency to rely on numbers. This is such a numbers-heavy uh, issue. We we, knew, we wake up every morning and see how many new cases there were, uh, what the total number is, how many people recovered, died, et cetera. So it really lends itself to being looked at through a quantitative lens. And that's important to do. But it's also important to remember the qualitative aspect of this, that uh, a thousand cases in one country does not have the same impact as a thousand cases in another country. Uh, for example, um, if we look at the spread throughout South Korea, Italy, and France, and even Germany, which which have, have topped the 1,000 mark, that's going to have a bigger impact than even 10,000 cases in Iran, which isn't as, as tied into the global network, isn't a global transportation hub or, or manufacturing hub because of pre-existing uh, travel restrictions and, and sanctions. So, for example, uh, when we're looking at some of these countries that seem to be missing some reports like Turkey and a lot of sub-Saharan Africa, uh, does that mean that the, the virus isn't present in those places? I, w- I wouldn't take that at face value, no. I, I think measurement and monitoring uh, is very different across countries. Uh, every every country, every even on some level state and provinces are, are measuring and monitoring this this issue differently. So again, to use the example of South Korea, uh, they're actually making a strong effort to screen everyone there. Uh, I, you know, we're seeing reports of around 10,000 a day. They have drive-through screenings. They're really trying to capture every single person. Whereas we also know in the United States, I think they're taking a more limited approach, trying to, to narrow it down to people who are at higher risk. Um, and in, a, in a lot of countries that we haven't seen any reported cases yet, maybe they're only screening at airports. Maybe they're only looking for people that have a fever or have pre-existing uh, symptoms, and, and so they're just they're not capturing people who are asymptomatic or who who aren't uh, exhibiting the symptoms yet. Are there any uh, uh, political drivers to how measurement and monitoring uh, monitoring might might be different from place to place? So I think it gets really interesting when we talk about specifically with recoveries. Um, you know, kind of how many people have have gotten COVID nineteen and then and then recovered and gone out of their lives. Uh, you see a place like in South Korea where you have you know more monitoring, more people being sent to the hospital because they're they're being more um, more thorough there. They're actually experiencing a limitation in hospital beds, and so they had to kind of lower the threshold for releasing people and declaring them recovered so that they could free up more hospital beds. Uh, and I think other countries that are eager to show that they're responding to this could could declare people recovered in a matter of days um, rather than the probably more likely the two or three weeks that it takes to to really overcome this. So uh, so that's how some of these countries are different. Um, what are some of the similarities that we're seeing in, in how countries are monitoring and, and yeah. measuring and, and responding to this virus? Right. So, yeah, the monitoring and, and measuring is, um, yeah, different by every country. But when it comes to the responses, there we're seeing uh, a lot more uniformity. It's, it's getting more predictable. Uh, we are seeing that, uh, first of all, you know, we're seeing travel bans from affected areas. I think South Korea alone, uh, over 100 countries have, have banned travel from South Korea in one form or another. Uh, 
placing people in quarantine who have who have been from those uh, who have recently been to those affected areas. Uh, we saw in, in France and Germany um, they are calling for for major public events of over a thousand people to be canceled. Uh, we've seen that here in the U.S. as well. Uh, and then, of course, school closures is is a is a pretty popular response to this. Pretty much every country that's seen uh, a high number of cases has has closed schools either countrywide or at least regionally, specifically to where uh, the outbreak has happened. And then also on a, on a corporate level, uh, we've seen a lot of companies limiting or canceling travel, uh, implementing work from home policies, and, and that I think you're going to see a lot more consistency within. In, in kind of the corporate world because there you have a lot of people talking to each other, um, kind of sharing best practices. All right. Um, so then as these uh, responses kind of roll out, how can individuals best anticipate the uh, the impact of COVID-19 uh, and, and how that will necessarily you know change their own behavior as they're right. traveling, doing business, uh, working, et cetera? Yeah. So COVID-19 is obviously, you know, it's a global and a local issue. Um Globally, it's important to track because we want to know, uh, you know, are, are people recovering faster? Is the number, uh, the infection rate going up or down? Where is it spreading to? How quickly is it spreading? These are all things that are happening on the macro level, and we need to monitor just to, to know, you know, in general, what's the virus doing. But when it comes down to the individual level, um, those, those big macro numbers aren't really probably going to have much of an impact. Uh, individuals, obviously, are going to be more impacted by local responses from local authorities. And that's where we get to those um, more uniform responses, such as school closures, cancellation of public events, uh, et cetera. So I think really what we're trying to encourage people to do is in any kind of crisis, you want to try to anticipate what the disruptions are going to be. Think about it. You know, sit down with with your your family or with your coworkers and and, and talk about, you know, what are some ways this could disrupt our, our daily life and how can we deal with it? thinking about how cancellation of public events could impact you, how school closures could impact you. Uh, I think just to, to kind of to wrap it up, too, since there are so many unknowns, authorities are going to continue to take an abundance of caution here, and that's going to mean more disruptions in more places. I, I think we should assume, people should assume that eventually this is going to impact um, every community around the world uh, eventually. And so thinking through, you know, how might those changes impact you locally in your community, and and what are some ways you can prepare now to to mitigate those disruptions. Thank you, Ben. Uh, If you would like to read more of Ben's analysis on this topic, visit stratford.com slash subscribe. I'm Ryan Bull. Thank you for listening. Mm